To be the best, you need to play with the best. You might not have your own personal high-level circle of women yet, but you can hang with us on The Female Millionaire Show. I'm Midori Verity, serial entrepreneur for over 25 years, and I interview badass female founders and cut through to what you really need to know. So in 20 minutes, you have what can take years to learn. If you're wanting to play bigger, come play with us. Join the female entrepreneur revolution today. Cheers. I am super excited about this episode. We are talking about fintech, about podcasting, about creating your journey and living in authenticity and missions and all kinds of stuff. We are here with Amber Welch. She is the host of Hack Hers Podcast. It's a newer podcast that is really amplifying women in technology and finance and making sure that they're seen. That's where she started, but then it's kind of meandered from there. So we're going to talk about that a bit. And then from there, it sounds like you, Amber, you launched Fin FinSuite Consulting Group. Yes. Or recently. Okay. We're going to be diving into all of this, but welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah. I'm, I, I love this type of conversation because when we were talking before we hit record, it was interesting to hear you say, yeah, I started with this idea. I thought I was going to have seven guests and that would be an, a season. And you're like, yeah, within a week I had a hundred. So that's kind of the entrepreneurial thing. We just kind of throw it out there, see what happens. And sometimes amazing things happen. And it sounds like it's also opened up some other opportunities for you. So tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are right now. So the first question I frequently get from people who see where I am and what I've accomplished is, man, how do, how do I get there? Or, you know, like, how did you get there? It must've been, you know, like you must've had all the things align the right way. And that could not be further from the truth, to be honest. Um, so my journey started well over 20 years ago. I actually out of high school, went into the military and went to college originally for biology, was going to be a doctor, had been planning on that my whole life. Uh, life derailed that in a number of ways. Um, I am a survivor of rape and assault more than one time, also a survivor of childhood abuse. So trigger warning, just in case that's, that's the extent of what I'll say, but just so people understand kind of my backstory. And I spent a decade, um, as a very young, early twenties married, uh, parent, who ended up being a single parent out of an abusive relationship. So if you can get more of a rocky beginning, um, I'm sure they exist, but it wasn't an easy start, contrary to what a lot of people think. So I, you know, I came into my second round at college, a very broken individual. And as most women will relate to, we naturally struggle to take up space. We apologize for the space we take up. We feel we have to be a hundred percent all of the time. And so I came into my college education, um, the second time around very insecure, very unsure of my future. And I was very fortunate that I had a great advisor who directed me toward accounting. Um, I'm old enough to be considered a geriatric millennial, which means that, 
I originally thought I was going to do business because every Gen Xer was steered that way in college. And my advisor said, do accounting. It's like business on steroids. You'll make more money. You'll be happier as a single parent. You'll be able to take care of your daughter. Um, and then me being me, because I don't do anything like a little bit, I do everything over the top said, well, can I just do two degrees? Because I really want to do computer science and learn coding. And I think that finance and tech are going to overlap in the future. They gave me the approval, but they thought I was nuts. Um, so I have two degrees, one in accounting and one in computer science, which I am now very thankful for. Um, out of college, I went into public accounting as an auditor. Again, the advice from people who know more than me was to do tax. And I, of course, was like, Psh, no way, I'm going to do it my way and did audit, which I'm glad I did because I learned a lot of valuable information. Um, I think if I had gone tax, I would have stayed in public accounting and my life would be very different now. But I did audit and I didn't fit the box. I pushed the envelope. I like to do whatever they say I can't 10 times the way they say I can't do it. And ultimately, you know, I wasn't buttoned up or polished enough. I actually had an HR person tell me to leave corporate America. I would never be good enough. Um, and I came this, like, I was ready to quit. I was ready to walk away from finishing my degrees, turn my back on all of it, and just go back to something else that was easier and less, less scary. Yeah. And thankfully, that same advisor... Um, got on the phone with me and she was like, if I need to, because the school I was attending was virtual. It was one of the first virtual education opportunities um, in the US. She volunteered to drive like two and a half, three hours to come meet me face to face if I needed like the pep talk. But she's like, you are not quitting. You're a 4.0 student. Don't listen to one person. You have this in you. And I did. I graduated cum laude with two degrees, um, ended up moving into corporate accounting and worked um, at a whole slew of companies, including I was a global manager at Lenovo. So I had a, a massive team there. And from there realized like, I get to define what I do. And I'm the first thing I will say is I'm terrible at staying put anywhere. And it's not because of anything other than the fact that I'm curious. And the second I'm not challenged and I'm not curious, I move on. So that really brought me to the Web3 landscape. I accidentally happened into a role as a senior manager at an accounting group that didn't have anything to do with Web3, which is like an emerging tech area for listeners that aren't familiar. So I always like to, to explain that. That includes crypto, blockchain, AI, AR, and VR. Now, I really heavily focus on the first part of those groupings, uh, but they all really coincide together. And I asked the accounting company I was with at the time, I was like, hey, I would really like to create a new revenue vertical. If you give me the okay, there's a huge opportunity here. And they said yes. And so we came up with a plan. I took them from zero to over 40 clients in about eight months. Um, again, it was a matter of they set the bar really low and I wanted to just blow it out of the water because that's who I am. And I realized then that my future was based in that area, that it's what I had been preparing for the entire time and didn't realize it. So I started seeking out speaking opportunities, attending every conference I could find, uh, especially the free ones or really low cost ones. There's a million ways to attend conferences that aren't expensive. 
and just got more and more involved. And the more involved I got, the more conversations I had. And I saw an opportunity to help other people. Um, and I'm going to pause because I know I just like threw a lot at you. We could go in a million different directions, Amber. This is not what I had expected. This is amazing. I want to point out a couple of things to those who are listening, because there are so many gems in what Amber talked about. One was that she was told that she should quit. One person told her, think of the power that one person has had over you in the past. They've told you you're not good at something. They told you something's impossible that you really wanted to do. But yet Amber over you know, didn't listen. You, you pretty much put up your finger to them and said, I'm doing it anyway, right? Or you found a way around it. And one thing that I've heard from you a few times in this conversation is it seems like you've been pretty clear on what's important to you, what your core values are. And it sounds like you protect those and you stay in that lane or you find it somehow. And one thing that I have learned from my 50 plus years on this earth is that when you are clear on what is the most important to you and you make your big decisions based on that, you will always end up in a good place. Sometimes we, we take so much time trying to figure things out, but if we have that one North Star that we're always going towards, you can't go too far off without feeling good about the decisions that you're making. Would you agree, Amber? A hundred percent. And I'll add to that to say that it took me a lot of years to get comfortable with the journey and not just focus on the end goal. I am the person that always was looking for the dangling carrot to chase. And my now almost of 10 years husband, because I did get remarried to a wonderful person um, who's been supportive and kind and just absolutely the fairy tale ending for me as far as marriage goes. He is the one that taught me that early in our relationship, I was always focused and this is my personality. It's very rash. It's very rush, rush into everything and figure it out as I go, which can be a beautiful thing, but it can also really bite you in the rear a lot um, and cause a lot of, of unintended self-pain. And he very early on kept pushing the idea of you need to learn to enjoy the journey. There's so much value in the journey. And I will say like, if you can settle down and get comfortable with that journey and not be so focused on what the end is, it really doesn't matter because you'll find the end you end up at is the right one anyway. Right. Huge. That's a huge point. I have clients who text me almost on a daily basis of things that didn't go right in their day. You know, they had a sales call and they were really banking on this, you know, closing and it didn't. It's like, that's one moment. That's one moment in time. We need to be looking at the overall picture, right? What's what's the big perspective of what you're creating, what you're driving towards? That's, it's the journey, just like you're talking about. And we get so caught up. I, I'm one of those who moves really fast too, Amber. So we probably have some war, war wounds that we could talk about. But when we can kind of step back and see things from a different perspective and have that big picture and just realize it's all a journey. We're only here for so much time. What are we going to create? What are we going to do? And, and again, getting back to the alignment, when we can stay in alignment with what matters the most to us, we can't go too, too far off. We can't end up in a bad place as long as we are consistently doing that. So, okay. So there's so much here. So let's talk about 
some of the challenges that you've gone through. So you've created this amazing career, you know, just going from where you you stopped in your conversation. You've cr- you've created this amazing career, but somehow you've gotten to where you are now. You know, you have a podcast, you have a new consulting firm that you have created. Was it easy to do all this? What were some of the challenges that you've encountered that that made you just, or let me back up, let me change this, let me rephrase this. What made you decide it was time for you to pivot from what you were doing and to go launch a show? <laughs> this is actually really the heart of it. And it hundred uh, percent coincides with following your moral compass. So a few years back, one of the big life-changing aha moments for me was when I realized I was happiest working when I could do something that followed my core values and my morals. And I'm not talking about the political stuff or religious stuff or any of those. I'm talking about who I am as a person and what I have found in, you know, being on this earth over 40 years is I find the most value when I'm helping other people. And I had somebody, and I cannot tell you where I heard this, but I heard this parable for a lack of, or proverb for lack of other explanation that the leaders who have the most influence and leave the largest footprint are the ones that we never know. And to expand on that idea, they're the people who bring others up with them and whose focus is so on helping other people and so removed from themselves that when they leave whatever role of leadership they were in, everybody's better the companies, the imprint is better and it's usually big, but they intentionally don't want it to be about them. So no one realizes it was them. And so it shifted my perspective on every job I was involved in. No matter what my title was, it didn't matter. My whole goal and every role was how can I help other people? How can I help this company? How can I leave a lasting impression without it being anything about me? And that was the turning point for me in my career. So I was at this former um, accounting group. They weren't a firm, they were a group. Um, And their morals stopped aligning with mine, as in we had set this roadmap for this new sales vertical related to this emerging tech. I had blown way past all of the objectives they set for me. And then they backed out of everything that they had agreed to as far as the future of it. And I saw the potential there and I knew at my core, like that was the way I was going to be able to have the most positive impact on others was that direction. And it wasn't that it was that tech specifically. I just had this feeling in my gut that that was what I was supposed to be doing. And so I talked to several companies. I had multiple offers and it was actually the second major aha moment of my career. And what I think is going to be my lifetime, to be honest, happened in that interview process. I was interviewing for a CFO role at a really well-known cryptocurrency blockchain project. And the founder of it had a really uncanny interview process that would make most HR people cringe where he wanted to like get to know you at a different type of level and talk about um, nothing too outside of the box, but really your personality and how you perceive the world and fit into things and like the dynamics of who you are. And he said something to me that at the time did not sink in or resonate. To be honest, it really upset me. And he told me he could not hire me as his CFO because I had founder energy. And at the time I thought he was blowing me off 
it did not like sink in. It did not resonate. Like I just didn't get it. I mean, he might as well have been talking to a brick wall, but then six months later, I had accepted a role at a different project. Um, it was going terribly. The project was fantastic. The problem was the environment was toxic. And, um, so I, I had went to dinner with three other women that are founders or leaders in the web three space. And one of them said something to me when I was telling them this story of this interview process and how I was struggling where I was and how I had this idea for a podcast, but I was kind of terrified to jump off that ledge, right? And take a chance because what if I lost my job and what if, and what if, and what if, because that's what we do when we're women. And one of the ladies said, Amber, you are meant to be a founder. That was a compliment. He meant that you are meant to run things and that's where your impact lies. And she said, I want to offer you a piece of advice if you're willing to take it. I'm like, I'm open to any advice anyone wants to give me. Are you kidding me? And she said, the universe is going to bring you the right opportunity for it when you don't think it's the right time. You have to close your eyes and jump blindly and trust that everything will work out. And that's exactly what happened. So that spawned me to say, you know what? I'm launching this podcast uh, the company I was with at the time had originally said they would sponsor it. They backed out after I had dumped my own funds into it, my time and all of this stuff. And I was like, you know what? This is going. This has interest. It's doing something bigger than me. I'm just going to keep going with it. Um, and as that grew, I ended up parting ways with that company. It was essentially a mutual decision. Um and it was funny because the week that I chose to leave, I actually made a comment to my husband and one of my girlfriends. I was like, you know, I'm unemployed. I have no clue what I'm doing next. I'm the primary breadwinner of my house and I should be absolutely stressed out and I feel nothing but relief. And so that was a really big sign that I had taken the right step in the right direction. And then at the same time, I had several companies um, and contacts reach out to me like 24 hours after I had made this decision. I don't even know how they found out because I hadn't publicly talked about the fact that I had left yet. And they reached out and they wanted to talk about potentially working together. And so we started having these conversations. None of them could afford me because we are in a, a, a tough market right now, no matter if it's Web3 or anything else, it's just a tough economy. and. On the off chance, I was like, how would you feel about doing a contractor role? And so I literally, on a whim, decided, you know, I have three or four companies that would like to work with me on a contractor basis. Why don't I just start a company? And so at the same time that I was figuring out how to write contracts to do this work for them as statement of works and it all be above board in the right way and, you know, to protect everybody, I was also filing paperwork to launch a company. So when I say like, I literally kind of stepped into what the universe put in front of me, I'm like, I absolutely did. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> it's been how long? How long so, have you started? I launched officially in August, like the end of August. I think the 23rd was the, the paperwork filing date as an LLC. Since okay. then, um, originally I said, you know, I want to be able to hire my first part-time person by June of 2024. I wanted to set a date in my mind that I needed to achieve that. And since then, I have hired two part-time contractors. Um, they both started in October, so less than two months after I launched. I've also... Um, switched the paperwork and filed to incorporate as a C-Corp because of a really dear friend in the space 
happen to also have the universal line and leave a job that we didn't foresee her leaving for another five to seven years. And so she's joining me as a co-founder and the business that we started is just growing by magnitudes and the scope and the areas it's touching on are going to completely change the landscape for marginalized groups and women in the Web3 space, which is very exciting for me. Ooh, and then you have your podcast, which just so smoothly and beautifully ties in with your consulting. Well, and that's the thing is when you stop focusing on controlling everything and just to add some perspective, I'm a Capricorn, I am a perfectionist, and I am a massive type A control freak. So for me to say stop trying to control everything is like the hardest thing in the world. But I've found that the more that I tune in to the things the universe is putting in my path, the more things are working out the way they should. I have a new company that I am exclusively working with that is a huge, huge opportunity. We haven't publicly announced it yet, but very deep into that skin in the game. It will be an absolute game changer. They have some of the biggest names in tech backing them, and they are exclusively working with my company um, and me specifically. And then um, I'm in talks with several other really large name established companies where at the end of the day, their motivation to want to work with me and my co-founder, Stacy is because we're doing it differently. And there's an opportunity here to use our moral ground to repave what has happened before in business. And that is how it ties into the podcast. So the podcast has always been about giving the guest an amplified space. It's never been about me. It's never been about an agenda tied to a company. It's what are you doing as a guest? What are your contributions? And bigger than that, how has your experience been impacted by being a woman or being a minority or part of the queer community or however it applies? And you know, like, what do you have going on? How can we support you? And so I've been really fortunate. I feel like I've had amazing people in this community of Web3, women specifically, who have guided me and been there and, you know, removed a lot of that clickiness that we've seen in other areas and just been the kind of support that we should be anyway to each other. And so for me, it's an opportunity to pay that forward and continue that mentality and take a business and do it differently and show people like, look, when you're doing it based off of like sound moral code, it will succeed. You don't have to force it to, it'll happen on its own. And we are, we're doing things completely different than any other company. Okay. So I want to touch on that. I want to, you said, you're like, you're a type, you're Capricorn, you know, and that's, I get entrepreneurs that I work with all the time who are so like just in a box. And so I want to hit on that a little bit more. You, you kind of like had, a, you must have just stepped back and somehow you brought yourself to a place where you let yourself just kind of roll with, roll with things. How did you do that? How did you, what did you, you know, do you have a technique? Do you, did you go to a retreat and they helped re refine the way that you think? Is it, do you meditate? What do you do to help you kind of throw things up in the air and just be like, okay, 
I'm going to let the universe guide me. Well, I don't do it very well. Sometimes the universe has to kind of slap you across the face to make you do those things. And I try to make sure that I'm building time into my day for me or my family every day. And I've always been pretty consistent about that. Like that is important to me and it is a priority as much as anything else. But I will say someone recently told me like the universe is going to tell you things and, it, and your body will too. And initially it's going to be a whisper. And if you don't listen, it's going to get louder. And I will tell you two weeks ago, I was coming back from a client trip to Las Vegas. I was at Sweet World. And the last couple of days I was in such excruciating pain that I literally called my husband and said, when I get home, I need you to take me to the ER. And the universe decided to smack me in the face and say, you need to be listening. I've been whispering for months and you've been ignoring it. And I had emergency surgery two weeks ago in the ER and was admitted and held overnight at the hospital before I was released. So if there is a quicker way to put a like, hey, the universe is telling you to take a step back, breathe a minute. It doesn't all have to be a thousand miles per hour. You're doing a good job of listening, but you can do better. Um, that was that moment. And it was funny because if when you are launching a company and when you are the only person initially that's really responsible for other companies' um, objectives, you can't be like, hey, I'm not available. You have to be available. Um, and a lot of times you have to be available like all the time. And so I was really stressed. I had been putting off addressing a health issue that obviously wasn't going to be ignored any longer. And my husband was kind enough to bring my laptop to the hospital knowing like, hey, you're probably going to have to at least let your clients know where you're at. Um, luckily, it all worked out because it occurred over a weekend. Thank goodness. Um, and I have amazing clients that I have found like when you are kind to others, there's a lot of goodwill that's extended your way when life happens. But probably the biggest piece of advice is it starts subtle and you have to listen because if you don't, it will get louder and it doesn't always like get you to stop and balance your life out in a healthy way if you don't do it the right way from the start. It's so true. It's, it's that people have always said it to me. They're like, you got to pay attention to your gut. And I remember for the longest time, I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever. That's like a hokey, whatever kind of talk. But when I look back over my life, I remember one time, this was in, in 2000, this is around 2006. And you're too young to probably remember this, but that's when the real estate market was on fire still. And, but it was about to change really, really fast. And we had done a bunch of flips and we were doing really well. And he took me up to what's called Lake County to look at this property on the water. And I remember driving up to it in our boat and I got, I saw like red flags and I got this gut feeling of, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. This, I, if the, if this bankruptcy kind of thing was going through my head. It was the first time that I really felt this strong premonition and I totally ignored it. And sure enough, we bought the property and we didn't go into bankruptcy, but it cost, we're still um, hurting from the amount of money that we put into that property. And anyway, but that was kind of my first thing where I'm like, oh, I should have paid attention to that gut feeling. Because if had I done that, we would be quite a bit wealthier at this moment. Um, but then like over time, I've learned to really pay attention to it more. And I've seen how it guide you in the right direction. 
It's it, there is a science behind it. It's not hokey. There is a science behind. There's it. actual neuroscience behind yes. because I, that's a big discussion I've heard a lot. Right, the idea of manifesting your future, the idea of these things that are tied to gut intuition. Um, but I've actually had some really interesting conversations with neurosurgeons, with people that are like working in that space. And I asked him, I'm like, you know, I'm a big backer of science, like hardcore black and white science. And when I'm looking at some of these studies, you're sitting here saying like manifestation is legit, but there's neuroscience behind it. It's, it's not like this thing out in the ETH, right? It's backed by science. A lot of it too, with women, especially the fact that we have intuition is tied into how we have evolved as living beings and the types of hormones that we have that are different from our male counterparts. It's actually science-backed. Those intuitions are typically there because of a more sensitive sense that we have to our environment because of the way nature has designed us to work, to protect our children, to protect our offspring and our homes. Like you look at female lionesses, they're the ones that do the hunting. And there's a reason for that. Um, and you can see this across all animals. So while I know it's kind of a interesting space to talk about, I firmly believe that intuition and manifestation and things like that are actually backed by a level of science that I'm intrigued by personally. So I'm a oh big fan. Oh my gosh. I am a huge fan of neuroplasticity and neuroscience and how those neural neuro um, you know, connections happen in our brain. If I was to do things over, I think I would come back as a neuroscientist because I am totally intrigued. And I think we're just scratching the surface of what's possible and how we can control. That was one of the biggest life pivoting moments that I've ever had is I remember I, my husband and I, we started our own business um, forever ago. And I got to a point where I was so miserable. I wanted to like, either, either run for the hills or do something painful to him because I was just so burnt out on the business. And so luckily I found a way to leave. And, um, I went to Florida of all things. I'm in California. I went to Florida to a business event and I met this gentleman named Doug Bench. And he, that was the first time I heard about neuroplasticity. And I remember him talking about it and something triggered in my head that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the one who has control of the direction of my life. It's not up to chance, it's me. I can control everything. And that moment on changed the trajectory of my life. And now there's nothing that I hear about that I think isn't possible. I feel like there. if you want something bad enough, you can make it happen. You just have to come up with a plan and make it happen, take the action steps. But that there's so much behind neuro neuroscience and I'm a super geek on that. So- Well, and women are like, we're terrible at feeling like we're allowed to take up space. So the other thing that people ask me a lot is how I am so self-assured. And the answer is I'm not. I mean, like the honest answer is that at least once a day I have imposter syndrome. And that usually shocks a lot of people because I'm running a company, I'm running a podcast. I've been at a C-suite level for nearly 20 years. So if anybody should be self-assured of themselves, it should be somebody at that level. And yet I'm not. On the regular, I will look in the mirror and be like, one of these days, everybody's going to ask me, why are we listening to you? Why are you, why is anybody listening to you? And that's a real disservice to myself. But those moments are good because one, they keep me grounded and 
allow me to stay humble, which I think is a really important aspect of being a good leader. But the other part about it is there's a phrase that we hear a lot, this whole idea of faking it until you're making it. And I think women are taught in the US, especially we're taught early on to do that by using what we look like, right? We can play dumb and pretty, or we can do things and get by with things based on this fake it till you make it idea. But we're not taught that you can do the same thing with your intelligence. It's either you're pretty and you're dumb and that's how you take up space or you're smart and unseen and you don't get to take up space. And so it's a really unfair societal thought process. And there's actually interesting data behind this. Um, and you've probably heard this, a lot of the listeners probably have as well, but it was something that intrigued me that I learned that if you have a job, especially in tech, um, and I wanna, I wanna talk about that area specifically because of how lopsided tech is. So tech as a whole, 25% or less are female. Um, when you get into Web3 and emerging tech, those drop to single digits. So you're talking 8 to 10% at best. And when you go even further and say, well, what about a minority female? You're talking about fractions of digits. And then if you look at those companies founded by those types of individuals and females, the funding available out of these billions of dollars is fractions of percentages. And so when you ask yourself why and you look at the data, there's studies that have been done. What they found, especially in tech, is if you have a job listed and it's, it lists 10 attributes that they want in a candidate, guys will apply if like three to six of them apply to them and they'll feel qualified. Women won't do it unless they have all 10. And so it's this idea that we have been taught about not being worthy of taking up space unless we can do it flawlessly and across every measure. And it's a really hard habit to break because we're taught that from when we're little and it has nothing to do with feminism. It has nothing to do with all of the like controversial topics. It's really just something that's like part of our culture here in the US um, and especially in the corporate world. And so this idea of faking it till you make it, it really is a form of manifestation. So one thing that I do every day um, is I have this journal I keep. Uh, it's called a 369 journal. The idea is three times in the morning, six times in the middle of the day, and nine times at night, I write a statement and I write it like it's happened. Um, and the idea really is faking it until you make it. So right now my statement is my new company is worth, has received X amount of funding. Um, I'm writing it as if it's happened because I know it's capable of happening. And there are studies that show manifestation, those neuroplasticities that we've talked about, those happen because when you have set this objective in your mind that it's occurred, you tend to do behaviors differently. They also had a study recently that it had nothing to do with tech or any of these things, actually. It was geared towards weight and working out. And if working out in the morning versus at night made a difference in the group of people that they were examining, what they found was people that worked out at 5 a.m. versus 9 p.m. tended to have healthier, more balanced lives and be at a healthier weight and have just overall general better balance in life. And they were trying to identify why. And really what it boiled down to is when you've made a choice and already said something happened and existed, your choices throughout the day subconsciously become different. So I think there's a lot to be said there with the whole idea of faking it till you're making it. And as a woman being like, it's okay to have imposter syndrome. We all are human, no matter how accomplished we are. The 
big changer is when you have that moment that you reaffirm to yourself that you're allowed to take up space, that you are as qualified and as worthy of that space as any of your counterparts, no matter what race, gender, sex, or anything else they are. Um, and for me, that's the game changer because of every day I'm like, one of these days, the shoe is going to drop and all of this will crumble. And the reality is it won't. I just have to remind myself that I'm worthy of the space I'm taking up. And women do a terrible job of that. We do. We do a terrible job of that. Thank you for bringing up that, you know, the whole thing behind imposter syndrome, because it's something that I don't care how successful you are as a woman, we are plagued by this. And so by doing things such as what you're trying, positive affirmations is really what you were talking about. And I want to hit on that because there's a science behind that since we are on the science kick. Um, so when you talked about making it present tense, as though it's already happened, that's the key. Also writing it pen to paper, not typing it on a computer, pen to paper is another part of positive affirmations to make them real in your head. The third one is saying them in the mirror. So and doing it during at the in the morning when you first get up and then also right before you go to bed because of your brain waves. And so you write it out and you say it in the in the in the mirror and you use your hands and you use a lot of expression. There's just something that happens to our subconscious brain that helps it come true quicker. Now depending on what the positive affirmation is, depending on what you're trying to overcome. If your brain is saying, uh, I call BS on that because it's so far-fetched, you got to start smaller and it's going to take longer. So remember that part of it. Um, and I'm not saying this to you, Amber. I know you know this. I'm saying- I actually have a great story associated with this. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. So, well, okay. Then one other, and then the other thing is, if it's a big, a big switch, know that it's probably going to take at least 90 days. So don't lose faith, stay dedicated to it. You have to do it every day. Okay. I want to hear your story. So this goes back to kind of all the things that I have overcome in life to be where I'm at. So I am also a survivor of an eating disorder. I, and that of course, all of these things are related as women. One thing you have to realize is we're onions, right? We have a million layers and they're all connected. And sometimes you don't realize a layer until you peel others. And so I had started into therapy, um, long time ago. And one of the first things that I decided to deal with was this fact that I had had an eating disorder for 26 years and no one had known it. I was really good about hiding it. And I, again, have such a good spouse now that at the time I came clean to him and was like, I think I need help. I'm worried about the impact it's going to have. And I started therapy. Well, I had a fantastic therapist. And one of the things she told me was like to counter that negative voice in your head, which I think all women have anyway, but it's amplified when you have an eating disorder, because if you have even more negative connections with all kinds of aspects of life, she told me I had to say something positive about myself. Well, we're terrible at that as women, but when you have an eating disorder, it's even harder. And at first I was like, I can't say something positive about myself. I can't, I literally could not believe any of it. Like I could not say something and believe it. And so she's like, you have to pick something, pick one thing. There's gotta be something that you believe for six months of my life. Every time I thought or said something negative that was associated with my eating disorder, which we refer to as ed eating disorder, um, which personifying it helped a lot, just FYI, all I could say was I liked my eyebrows, which is in hindsight sounds absolutely silly, but at the time it was the only thing about myself that I could believe in because if I was 
broken and I needed to be able to realign my thinking. So for six months, well past 90 days, every time something negative came out of my mouth or went through my head, I had to look at myself in the mirror and remind myself of something I liked. And eventually it changed. I started to see other aspects about myself that I was better with. And now I've been recovered for almost 10 years from an eating disorder. And all of these things, all of these, the encouragement I want to give is it feels like you're going up a mountain. You're never going to to mount. You're never going to get to the top. It feels insurmountable. But if you just keep believing in the process and showing up every day, you can overcome no matter what it is. There is always a way. And the thing that blows my mind every day when I wake up is the people that tell me I'm impacting them. Those are, I mean, like for me, that was the life goal is I want to impact others. I don't want my life. I don't want my legacy to be about me. I want when I'm gone that there's been some massive difference in the world and it not have anything to do with me, but I've contributed to that positive out in the universe. And so I could never have gotten to this place without one, all of the obstacles, but two, being able to realize like, it's okay to face those and it take time. I mean, like I didn't just wake up one day and take up space. I didn't wake up one day and have a business and have this mindset and all of this. This has been decades of work. Um, So don't be afraid to face a challenge. It's not always going to be decades of work. Some of them will be quick but you have to just keep showing up. That's the key, show up. And that is a perfect motto to end this on because we have covered neuroscience. We've covered (laughs) positive affirmations. We've covered podcasts. We've covered all kinds of things, including tech. So thank you so much for being here, Amber. Where can we find out, where can we find your podcast? And then also about your business. Give us both of those. Yeah, absolutely. So the podcast you can find on pretty much any platform. Just look up Hackers Podcast and ends with a Z instead of like the normal spelling of Hackers. You can also check out the website and it's linked to all of the platforms as well. It's www.hackherz.co. It's not .com, it's .co. Um, and then my business is called Fensuite Consulting Group. It should just come up if you Google it, but it's the same exact type of website. So it's www.fensuiteconsulting.co. Um, and that is really a service-based consultancy in the Web3 space. However, I do want to throw out there, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on every social media. Um, I have a pretty big following on TikTok. Anybody that wants to find me, I'm very publicly available. I am a huge fan of helping others, dragging people up with me. So anybody that wants to reach out and have some of my time, I will freely give it, even if it's just to chat. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Amber, and being so authentic, sharing your true journey. And then also, you've already lifted up women. I know women who I'm going to suggest listen to this episode. So thank you for being here with us and being so awesome and sharing your journey. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor.